Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us uh, online at Neighborhood Church, or if you're listening or watching later, thanks so much for taking this time to tune in. Thanks to Steve and Jehu and Jaden and the worship team and the worship production team. It's always great to be together, and I'm grateful for what God is doing uh, among this church and beyond. I, I believe that we are facing some very challenging times within politics, pandemics, and even in how we individually treat people. We have an incredible opportunity as followers of Jesus and a defining moment to show that we're part of a greater kingdom. Now, as you heard Eric share a little while ago, we want to encourage you to be sharing Jesus with other people. That wherever you go, that you share Jesus, be that with friends, family members, co-workers. And a simple way to do that is even hit share right on Facebook or wherever else, but also to open your mouth in day-to-day conversations and share Jesus. Just yesterday, I had an opportunity to connect with an old friend named Dennis. He reached out to me on Facebook, and we set up a phone call. And yesterday uh, morning slash afternoon, I had an opportunity to pray with Dennis to receive Jesus. He said yes to Jesus yesterday. So we celebrate with you, Dennis, today, and we want to light a light box for you. So he asked to have the words, I found Jesus put on the light box. So hopefully you're in your living rooms cheering and clapping for Dennis because God has taken him from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of marvelous light to somebody who's outside of God's family to being brought into God's family. And I believe the work that God has begun in Dennis, he's gonna continue on. And, and we wanna pray for you this morning, Dennis. We wanna pray for your family. We wanna pray for your friends uh, that they would come to know Jesus too. And what a, a great thing to celebrate. So Father, as we continue to worship, we are so grateful for Dennis coming to know you. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to just share about you, Jesus, with somebody. And may you give each one of us opportunities to share about Jesus with those around us. I pray for Dennis's families and, and friends, God, that, that his life could show what a transformed life looks like and that he'd be able to share the hope that he has found in Christ. I ask God that as we open your word this morning and talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that we would get uh, started up, fired up for you and what you're calling us to do. So God, we offer ourselves to you this morning, this time, this space, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We are now in week three of 40 Days of Prayer with the Alliance. And I hope you're taking time to pray both individually and collectively. On Wednesday nights, we have a prayer gathering where you can join in on Zoom. And we would love you to be a part of that and praying for God's transformation in your life and the world around you. Over the last two weeks, we've talked about God's character and the holiness of God. And last week, we talked about repentance. And now today is a continuation of that. So if you haven't heard those two messages, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts or check it out on YouTube and Facebook. But I'd encourage you to check it out because today is a continuation. And today is how to live in the empowerment and fullness of the Holy Spirit. Or we could get more specific and say how to live in the fullness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit during a pandemic, racial tensions, political partnership, protests, riots, and more. How can we live in God's power during these interesting times? 
Today I'm going to be in Galatians 5, 24 to 26, so you can open your Bibles to that, or you can also see it right here on the screen. So read with me from Galatians. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. There are three ideas that I want you to grasp today about how to live in the empowerment and fullness of the Holy Spirit. First, know who owns you. Second, die to live. And third, cultivate relationship. Know who owns you, die to live, and cultivate relationship. So the first is to live in the fullness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Know who owns you. We just read in Galatians 5, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. So I ask you, who do you belong to? Where is your identity found? Is it found in your last name, your social position, your job status, your political persuasion, your perspective of a pandemic? Maybe your identity is found in your hurt or pain. All of us find our identity in many things. And we are called as followers of Jesus to find our identity and belonging in Jesus. Across the pages of the New Testament, we see terminology of being possessed by Jesus. That when we receive Jesus into our lives, he identifies us as his own. He possesses us. We read in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. God has identified you as his own. He has purchased you to be his own people. Or in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, we read, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You have been bought with a price. You have been purchased by God. There's often much emphasis put on saying yes to Jesus, and we emphasize that here. But alongside that, we we must not forget when we say yes to Jesus, what we are saying is we are inviting God in to take possession of our lives. We give control and ownership to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, you give the keys of your life to him, the crown to your kingdom, the combination to your locker, the password to your prosperity. He owns it all. Now, if you claim to be a Christian and Jesus possessing you is something new to you, I'd encourage you to look across the pages of Scripture because it's clear that when we say yes to Jesus, he takes possession of us. And on top of that, we must get to know the one who owns us. We can get to know Jesus through the Bible, through experience. And often it's not that we don't know what Scripture says. 
often is, is living these things out we know to be true. Jesus calls us to follow him, to give our lives to him, to transfer ownership to him. And for some of us, that might sound a bit scary. And that's good. We should think about what does it mean for God to own our lives? And then ask yourself, why would it scare me for God to possess me? Is it because you're unfamiliar with Jesus and who he is and how he would relate to you? Or or maybe Jesus being the owner of your life scares you because it could make, it could mean that he call you to do something uncomfortable, sacrificial, courageous, countercultural. When you no longer rule your own life and you know who owns you, this begins this whole process of God filling you with his Holy Spirit, empowering you with his presence. Because we must know the one who owns us and then we must relinquish, relinquish control or it leads me to my next point, to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we must die to live. Die to live. We read that those who belong to Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Some call this the crucified life that we're called to live. Now at the times of this writing of this letter by Paul, a crucifixion or a cross was a Roman form of brutal torture and excruciating pain. And so when Paul says we must nail our desires, we must crucify our desires, he's saying our desires need to be executed. They need to come to an end. And sometimes this is incredibly painful. That we need to look at the things in our life that dishonor God and allow God to execute them. Last week, I read from Galatians 5 talking about the works of the flesh or the works of the sinful nature. That all these things that we can do to dishonor God. And some of the things that I talked about were sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and more. These are all works of the sinful nature that we are called to crucify. I don't know if you've noticed in our contemporary culture, but there's something that seems that there's a spirit of anger in many things. Not too long ago, I was, I was shared a post in a video that somebody told me I needed to watch, and I got about five seconds into it, and all I could hear was somebody who was super angry at somebody else. And it seems like often different sides of equations are just angry at one another. We as followers of Christ are not called to live angry lives. We are called to live lives full of the Spirit of God. These things from our sinful nature, if we allow them to continue in our lives, they're like a cancer to our soul. They will destroy you. They'll remove the power of God from your life and make you powerless to live as Jesus would have you to live. Just last week, 
when many of us watched as the capital of the United States was attacked, I took a moment to just write on social media. And I referenced a verse and I simply said, as followers of Jesus, we are called to pray and give thanks for those who are in authority. We're called to live peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified lives. And what happened at the Capitol in no way reflects the heart of God in how to handle a peaceful transference of power. And if as a follower of Jesus, you were okay with that, there's something I believe that needs to be crucified in your life. It needs to die. The sinful nature needs to die. Even in Galatians 5, Paul talks about that you're living under the power of the sinful nature or you're living under the power of the spirit. You you can't have it both ways. My mom taught me this little saying growing up and and it goes like, like this. There are two natures in my chest. One is foul, one is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. And we have these two natures within us. And what is it that you are feeding? What is it that you are giving power in your life to? If you're living to gratify your sinful nature, you cannot live in the power of the Spirit of God. So what do we do with these sinful things in our life? It's very simple. We confess them to God. We repent of them. We allow God to crucify the sin in our life so that he can fill us with his life. When we die, execute, crucify the sinful nature, when we empty ourselves of evil, then there is room for God to fill us with his spirit. If you look at an empty glass, there is room in there to be filled. We must first die, empty ourselves, so that Jesus' life can fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. A life filled with the Holy Spirit will produce good fruit. As I mentioned last week, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. God is not just about giving us a spiritual Holy Spirit experience. He's about taking the Spirit of God and transforming our very nature and character into his image. When we belong to Jesus, when we have died to live, we should begin to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, and reflect Jesus to those around us. Galatians 2.20 puts it like this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have died with Jesus so I can live for Jesus. If you want to find fullness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Know who owns you. Die to live. And third, cultivate relationship. Cultivate relationship with the Spirit of God. In Galatians 5.25, we read that 
If we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Another translation says, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Follow the Spirit's lead. Or as the old gospel song states, just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus, is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Oh, dear Lord, let it be. I would have sung that for you, but I attempted it in my own room this morning, and I'd rather just speak it. I'll let Mel and the team do the singing. But there should be no area in our life that God is not involved in, that God is walking with us in. There's a little book called My Heart's Christ Home that I've shared with the church here before. And it's about looking at our life like a house. And when we invite Jesus in, we aren't just inviting him onto the porch or into the foyer or the kitchen or the living room. We begin to invite him into all the areas of our life. The kitchen, the living room, the bedroom, the basement, the closets, and even that junk drawer that all of us have in our house that's full of random things that we don't know what to do with. When we give Jesus control, he wants to come in and walk with us in all areas of our life. A real relationship with the Holy Spirit grants God full access. Full access to our lives. Often in the church we make hearing from God this sort of super spiritual act for only super spiritual people. That when in fact... This is the normal Christian life. This is the normal Christian life, to have a relationship and cultivate a relationship with God. Some people I've heard of praying to find a good parking spot. And I I love when people come back and they're like, hey, I went to the store and I prayed and I found a great parking spot. That's so great. I love that you're inviting God into the little things. And I'd encourage you, if you're willing to pray for a parking spot, why not invite God in and pray with regards to your social media habits? Pray with regards to what movies you allow yourself to watch. Pray and allow God to speak into your alcohol and other addictions. Allow God into what you view online, how you treat one another. Are we willing to respond to the Spirit of God, how we respond to the culture? And not just follow any news narrative that we like. But are we uh, willing to allow God's Spirit to guide us? Do we get more consumed with the rhetoric and preserving even a nationalistic identity at times, or are we listening to the Holy Spirit who is calling us to a greater, higher kingdom that will surpass and outlast any kingdom here? Are we getting wrapped around the spokes about who is or is is not in political power and forget that the real power that is available to us is greater than any politician or king through all of history? I heard of two people traveling on vacation and they decide to stop at one of the natural wonders of the world, Niagara Falls. As they took this beautiful drive along Lake Erie next to the falls, they were filled with overwhelming awe at the size and power of the Niagara River and the rapids. 
One of the people, having visited there already, said to the other, Come, I'll show you the greatest unused power in the world. Taking the person to the foot of Niagara Falls, the person pointed up and said, There is the greatest unused power in the world. And the other person responded and said, Ah, no, this is not the greatest power. The greatest unused power in the world is the Spirit of God and the power of God in and through our lives. Brothers and sisters, that we would come to the end of seeking power and position in a worldly manner and instead tap into the mighty, unlimited power of the Spirit of God in our lives. That our hearts would be broken, our lives poured out, and that we would truly know the one who owns us. That we would die to live, execute that sinful nature, and then cultivate that relationship with the most powerful person ever, the Holy Spirit. There's a common liturgy in baptism that expresses a few ideas, and, and we're going to read through this in a second. But, but as we read through this, I want you, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, I want you to respond to this if it is true for you. That when I read the first thing, you respond with the second. And it goes like this. Do you turn to Christ? I turn to Christ. Do you repent of your sins? I repent of my sins. Do you renounce evil? I renounce evil. But let's add a little bit on this morning with regards to the Spirit of God. Do you transfer ownership to Jesus? I transfer ownership to Jesus. Will you die to live? I will die to live. Will you cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit? I will cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes, we must execute the sinful nature, but we must also allow God to fill us and empower us with his Spirit. A.J. Gordon, who was one of the founders of Gordon-Conwell Divinity School, was out walking one day. And he looked across a field at a house. And there beside the house was what looked like a man, man pumping furiously at one of those hand pumps. As Gordon watched, this man continued to pump at such a tremendous weight rate, he seemed absolutely tireless pumping on and on, up and down, without ever slowing in the slightest, much less stopping. Truly, it was a remarkable sight. So Gordon started walking toward it. As he got closer, he could see it was not a man at the pump, but a wooden figure painted to be like a man. The arm that was pumping was hinged at the elbow, and the hand was wired to the pump handle. The water was pouring out, not because the man was pumping it. You see, it was an artesian well. And the water under great pressure was pumping the man. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, it is not you doing the work. It is God working in and through you with his fullness and power. It is the Spirit of God pumping you full of his life. 
How do we live in the empowerment and fullness of the Spirit of God? Know who owns you. Die to live. And cultivate a relationship with the Spirit of God. When Jesus states we will do even greater things than he did, I believe he saw a day when each one of his followers will live in the fullness and empowerment of the Spirit of God. And may that be true of us. Now today, if God is speaking to you, I want to give you a moment here, wherever you are, to just recommit or even for the first time, offer yourself fully to God. There's nothing spiritual about getting down on your knees, but I think it is a clear act of submission to God to get down on your knees and say, God, I'm offering myself afresh and new to you. And so if you're sitting in your living room or kitchen or wherever else, put down the cup of coffee, the croissant, shut off the other things, and why not take a moment on your knees in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to know the one who owns me. I want to die to my sinful nature so I can live for you. And I want to cultivate afresh and new this relationship with the Spirit of God that I would walk with you a closer walk each day in your fullness and power. Just take a moment with Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome in our lives. You are welcome to do what you will. We are your possessions, God. And we give it all back to you. We, we crucify our sinful natures and we ask, God, a fresh, a new outpouring of your spirit. Not for an experience, but God, that we could be vessels that are filled with your life, filled with your purpose, filled with your goodness. God, we are in desperate need of your intervention. And we invite you afresh and new, Spirit of God. Come, take control. Transform us, empower us, fill us. Make us into who you have created us to be. In Jesus' name.